Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. I'm your host Laurie Brooke and together we will get to take a look at what goes on behind closed doors. Today I am joined by Glenn Sandifer. Hi everyone, I'm Glenn Sandifer, author of The Middle Ground. I'm a husband, father, a Christian, and I am here to help you reach the middle ground. Glenn is a current executive with a major multinational. During his 20-year professional journey, he has found parallels between business success and the lack of relationship success. He created the middle ground to serve as a bridge for busy professionals looking to get great dating outcomes in the modern world. Welcome back to another episode of Relationship Talks and thank you so much for joining me today, Glenn. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this opportunity. welcome. Where are you dialing in from? Around the world, where are you dialing in from? I am dialing in from Nashville, Tennessee in the southeast uh, portion of the United States. Music City, the fastest growing economy in the United States. I have to say I know Nashville for no other reason but Keith Urban. Okay, Keith Urban, he has a restaurant, yes, and he's always here. And I was I thought I thought you were gonna say for a bachelorette party because we're now number one in bachelorette parties. We've overtaken Las Vegas. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about yourself, Glenn. Are you married? I am married to my beautiful wife for five years. We have two wonderful children, a boy and a girl. Um, they're on up somewhere here in the office. Uh, but yeah, we've been married five years. Uh, things are going great, I think. And how long have you been together? Eight years. Eight years. Eight and a half so, now. I'm, go- I'm going to round up the way she did when we were dating, when, you know, the time period uh, when we weren't married. We've been dating three years. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so, no, we've been together 10 years, a decade. We've been together nearly a decade. Now, you can say <laughs> that about relationship length. Just don't do it about her age. No, I wouldn't do that. She's, she's what's an acceptable age? She's 26. Forever will be. (laughs) So tell me about your children. How old are they? Uh, My son is three. My daughter is 10 months. Oh, they're babies. They're babies. I used to go around saying the thing that I see on Instagram. I have two under two because I I wore that as a badge of honor. It's a change. It's a lifestyle change because it's a decision. And then you have to decide again that, okay, I'm choosing this. And then you have to lean into it. Yeah. I do the drop-offs. I do pick up uh, when I don't travel for business. Um, diapers. Any man who doesn't do diapers, I don't know what you're doing. What are you doing all day? You got to do diapers. Those are the things that connect you to the children. So it's, you know, my son used to pee on me and my daughter poops on me. It's just like, okay, please, why are you pooping on daddy? And then they laugh. And then you have the moment where you laugh together and then you're covered in poop. But hey, it's, it's part of the process. When, they're, when I'm giving her away at her wedding and when my son's graduating from his super duper master's program, I'll be like, I don't remember when you used to pee on me at six months. And it's one of those things that later on in life, when it's their turn mm-hmm. to look after you, you can go, I did all of this for you. Now it's your turn to mm-hmm. do it all for me. Yeah. It's like, all right, who's up? Who's taking care of me? Who's feeding me? Oh, I'm going to be bossy. I'm just, I'm their boss now. So I'm going to be bossy then. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get my title back. 
absolutely. Tell me, how do you, how has life changed for you though, since becoming a parent? Uh, since becoming a parent, I would say it, it's the season it, I doubled down on duty uh, because in marriage, it's about duty as well. I mean, I love my wife. I love the life we're creating. I love the family dynamic, uh, but you now have to serve at an even higher level. Uh, so you go into it knowing that you have these two little people uh, who are 100% dependent on and impacted by all of your decisions. As a single guy or a single man, most men will understand this. It's just me at 32. Eh, go to the bar. Eh, I mean, drive to Atlanta. Eh, let me fly up to Beijing real quick for the weekend. There's a flight that's cheap out of Sydney. You can't do that. You now, all of those decisions impact the people that you've created, these little people. It also clarifies, it also clarifies some things. I, I've, I've known and had the privilege of talking to and consulting with men. Once they had their kid, it, everything clicked. Everything clicked. In what way? Professionally, emo emotionally, it, it zeroed them in. I mean, when you have children, the opportunity for children is legacy. So when my children are 15 or when your children are 15 audience, what will they say about you for the previous 15 years? Who were you? Who were you as a father? Who were you as a mother? Who are, who are you in your profession? Who are you looked at? How are you looked at uh, through your peer groups? Yeah. What have you created? What have you left behind? What are you leaving me? It matters. So what do you want your kids to say about you when they turn 15? I don't care what they say at 15. 50, yeah. <laughs> no, at 15... It's the 15, that, that's actually a really good question. Thank you for that. So at 15, I want them to say that what I believe will be true. I want them to say, my, my father is a loving husband, devoted. He's been a provider. He's led us into what we believe, whether uh, that's their faith, if they adopt my faith belief, is something that I would want them to do, but it is a choice. Um, and that he has taught us how to provide. And more specifically for the topic of this, how to negotiate the dating market and who I will choose as a long-term mate. It's, that actually impacts everything else that we've just talked about, who you choose to pair bond with and who you choose to co-create with. So let's swing around to that. How did you okay. get into this work? On accident. What was the accident? accident was so how I got into the work so I was married before I went through a divorce that was really hard on me uh, and so I went to therapy coming out of therapy for two years I came with the framework of what is now the middle ground and so I wanted to put the theory of what I believe to the test so I began writing articles on the early stages of Facebook created a little website and the articles didn't get much traction. My friends from college were being nice and viewed it and downloaded it or whatever, but it really was not impactful. When I began leading uh, teams, the conversations that I had as an intern and as an employee switched because as I coached people to get a, a product produced or to get an outcome, I realized that their relationship was the thing that was holding them back from long-term success. So I began coaching around the total man and the theories and the things that I learned 
through my therapy and the things that I began to study and research uh, subsequently after that led me to know that the reason people are failing in a relationship are a couple of reasons. We got to know who we are. We got to know what we want. We got to know what we qualify for. And we have to know with what we qualify for wants from us. And that is the middle ground. So I got into the space on accident, but uh, my knowledge uh, was curated out of my own personal trauma. So I wanted to have my, you know, have my moment, do, do my self-reflection. What, what did I do wrong in the relationship? What things did I not evaluate properly? And how can this be impactful to help others? And so how has that helped you moving into your relationship with your wife? No, she gets the benefit of all my mistakes. I made all the mistakes already. So I'm perfect in every way now. <laughs> I'd like to think that's true, but somehow I don't believe it is. I'm um, not at all. I'm I'm human and I'm flawed. So um, anytime you, you fail at anything, you have to take it as a learning lesson. And most people who fail don't want to fail again in the same way. Don't want to lose the game the same way you lost the last game. Uh, so for my current relationship, it allows me to be more intentional, I think, from a communication standpoint, uh, from an intimacy uh, standpoint, as well as for clarifying what support needs to be provided in the home and as she navigates things like her career. How do you think our relationships impact us from a career perspective? From a career perspective, it impacts us on a daily basis. Um, and it, it's a, it actually is kind of our driving force or motivator. Um, I think if our relationship is going well and it is thriving, we tend to want to double down from a career standpoint. So I'll speak about it from, from this framework of the middle ground. In the middle ground, we believe that there are six types of men and six types of women. And of those six types of men and six types of women, you are one of them. So if you're one of them, you best match with the other. The problem in the relationship is you spend time with someone who you don't match with, and then all of this trauma is created. And then when you do meet someone that you want, you take all the negative traits from that trauma, and then you place it on these other group of men or women. This is where we get the term, all men are trash. There are, ain't no good women. That's where we get it from. It's not that there ain't no good women. It's these women that I dealt with look the same like these women but they have completely different characteristics and completely different motivations. So I think professionally, as we continue to navigate our professional success, we need to make sure that we're appropriately aligned with the person that will help us continue to achieve that success and help us make the best decisions. I say that a relationship should be a mirror, specifically when you talk about a marriage, it should be a mirror and that person should be your trusted confidant. So if he or she has a work challenge, they really should be the first person you go to. Not your friends, not your dad, not your mom, not your cousin, not the guy up the street or a mentor. Most of the time, you're going the person who's going to know what you're dealing with in your career first is going to be your significant other. So it helps clarify what decisions you're going to make. And the earlier you learn that, the better and more long-term success that you will have. So how do you know that you're matching with the right person then? Um, it, it, if you look at some of the terminology, and, and we're now getting into part two of the book. Part two of the book is uh, coming out later this year. Well, later in this quarter, as of this recording. Uh, but part two of the book, we talk about matching. So 
we have to first know who we are and what we want. So if I am a guy and I'm fine being a guy and I say, I want a modern woman, I don't qualify for a modern woman. I'm not interested in 50-50. I'm not going to meet her needs with conversation, chemistry. Um, I'm not going to be focused on financial gain and long-term building. Guys are not like that. Guys are just happy to be existing. They're typically invisible in most rooms that they walk in and they know it and they live their life of what we call the lonely paradigm. So they're lonely. And so they don't qualify for a modern woman because a modern woman, 50-50, strong independent, I have my career, I've done my education, I have my own house, I got my brand new car, I'm living life, and anybody I date is going to have to be at my level or higher. And then once we get into the relationship, we'll start negotiating 50-50, looking for someone, all right, I don't really like to cook, I want someone who can cook, so I don't really like to clean, I need someone who can clean. Uh, I want to have kids, but I don't want to do all the childcare. So I need someone who's going to partner with me on the child care. The word partner is used. Guys don't understand partnership. They have no clue. So if you're a guy and you identify as a guy because the traits are identified as what a guy is, don't, qual don't go for a modern woman. You don't qualify. And you're going to end up getting your feelings hurt because that modern woman is going to move on to what she doesn't qualify for, which would be a city boy. Because the modern women love the city boy. She has all these great things going on, but the guy who's the most attractive, most interesting, charismatic, he has the swag, he has the body, the city guy, the city boy, he's city boy. He's out in the streets. He's only interested in one thing, being congratulated by his friends from sleeping with and banging the most women, using that, using that language, banging. They say things like this, they're in the gym, they're on Instagram and YouTube all day. They're commenting, they're on the threads. That's what they do. So a modern woman is out here doing all this stuff, building. And then she goes and tries to convince the city boy or the F boy to come and be a modern man and pair with me. He has no interest or the emotional capacity to pair. So then she leaves the relationship with the city boy and meets a traditional man and then that poor traditional man has to deal with all of the trauma and all of the disappointment that she had with the guy who wasn't enough, the city guy who couldn't commit, and he's out here just trying to live a life. I want to make $100,000 a year. I want my wife to be able to not have to work. I need to work. Okay, well, I don't want you to work. Well, why don't you want me to work? I just want someone that's going to be home, take care of me, take care of our home, and take care of the kids. You want a slave. Whoa, I didn't, he, he didn't say that. So then they break up, he leaves that relationship, and then any traditional woman that, because he's only going to get with a traditional woman that he gets with, she's going, he's going to have clear-cut questions to make sure that he is aligned there. So I think the most important thing is to know who you are, know what you want, and then when you know what you qualify for, then once you know what, what you qualify for, if I'm city to city, or you know, city to city, guy to gal, male to female, traditional man to traditional woman, modern man to modern woman, high value to high value, then I know that the characteristics of what they're looking for in a relationship, I need to do the work to be the best version of myself so I can go support them in that effort. Because the relationship is about service. If you're thinking that you need to have a relationship or you need love to feel complete, you're going to be upset in the first five years because it is all about service. Every great relationship, every long-term relationship, 
for if your audience are like me, if they have their great-grandparents, grandparents, and then maybe their parents who've been together 40 years, it had nothing to do with just love. Love was the byproduct. It had everything to do with service and duty, and love became the emotion associated with the tangible investment of making a plan, making a deal, making a plan together, setting goals and meeting those goals jointly. That's where happiness came from. The work and the effort. Work and the effort. The yeah. two bad words on this, probably on, 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 on my platform, when I say work and effort, oof, you would think, you would think that I would have cussed out everyone on my, on my timeline. That's not it. Work and effort are required to make a relationship successful. And it starts by working on yourself. If you can't admit that there's work that you need to do, you don't need to be in the relationship business. You don't need to come to the market and frustrate people. I call it in my neighborhood growing up, it was a pool. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. Psalm Park pool. There were five pools, six men, six women. One pool was the kiddie pool. Kitty pool had the kids, the moms, the nannies, and it had the babies. It was filled with poop and pee, and the water was blue, and the water was red for whatever chemical they put in it. That is the kitty pool. There's pee and poop in this pool. And when you come in broken with your trauma, unrecognized and unfixed, you turn the deep end pool with the high dive into the kitty pool. And so people who are trying to come off the high dive and have their entertainment, have their joy, have their moments, they're having to deal with and navigate things that shouldn't be in, the, in there in the first place. They're having to navigate pee and poop. They're having to navigate babies who are trying to get in or kids who are trying to get in who don't have the emotional maturity or even just the stature to enter into that space. So stay out of the pool, stay out of the kitty. Stay out of the big pool. If you're a kitty, a kid, a boy or a girl, stay over in, in the boy or the girl's lane and let the adults, men and women, have the high dive. How do you go about though doing the work to understand? Because a lot of us will want to jump into a relationship without taking that moment to figure out what we want, who we are, what we value. Mm -hmm. So I will say that it's we like lists especially for those of us that have and for all your audience who has professional success. You don't become a manager or director or a VP. You don't grow your business from 20,000 to 50,000 by luck. It is a process. So the first thing I say is that you have to write down what you want. So you say, and, and this, is, this is anti the space. What do you want? Well, I'd like to be married at 40, okay? What, what do you want out of, and I'll say this from the man's standpoint, what do you want your woman? You know, I want her to be around 28 to 30, no kids, great shape, she has her own money, she looks good, she's not on social media, she doesn't have any tattoos. Okay, all right. All right, let's look at you. What about you? What does she want from you? Huh? What do you mean? Huh? What does she want? Well, I, I think I'm a good catch. Whoa, I didn't ask you that. I asked you, what do you think? What, what do you think she wants? Well, she probably wants somebody that's in good shape, looks good, no kids, not a lot of tattoos. Okay. Are you in good shape? No. 
what would you rate yourself on a scale? I'd probably be like a four. Okay, well, that's not too important. Make a lot of money? Uh-huh. How much money do you make a year? Uh, you know, I make 48. She doesn't want you. She has options at that stage. So she's looking for someone. She has a list. Want him to be six foot six. Want him to make six figures. Want him to not live with his mom. Want him to have his own place. Want him to have an established career. I don't care if he's older. So if I put three guys that meet that and this gentleman is one of them, she's not going to choose him. She has options. So you got to understand that. So you have to do the work. I tell everyone who comes before me, whether it's Zoom, Teams, FaceTime call, through a coaching session, are you in therapy? You're not? You need to get in therapy. There are licensed therapists who can help you do it because some of us are dealing with real traumas. Some are dealing with broken families and broken households. Some are dealing with uh, some violence. Some are dealing with emotional, physical, financial abuse. And we enter into a dating relationship with those traumas unworked and you need to work them. So the first thing I say when I realize and recognize there's a real trauma here, not a list that is unrealistic because you're delusional, but a real life trauma, we need to get on the Google and we need to find a licensed therapist that will help you start to deal with those processes. And then a year later, call me back. And I've had that happen over the last five years. So I say people need to write a list down, say what, what you want, then on the other side of that list, what does that person that you've created want from you? And then if you realize that you don't meet that, what is the work that you need to do? The first work is probably going to be through therapy. The second is where are you financially? And this is specifically for men. So financially, if you are a man who's making below average in the United States around $47,000 a year, how old are you? I'm 22. You're making great money. You need to put your head down and you need to work for the next decade and build a high value skill, whether it's a sales profession, medicine, educational pursuit, make sure that you are out there learning your craft and developing your craft because 10 years takes expert. Uh, the book Outliers states that 10,000 hours will allow you to be an expert in any field. So take your 10 years, get your, feet, get, get your, get your skills up. Then financially at 32, what you decide to do is you look up. At 32, as a man now, you'll probably get your first or second real promotion. And then you'll be able to start leading individuals, leading a product area, leading a project, expanding your business. You may launch a business, uh, not these side hustles, but a business that will allow you to thrive and provide. Then just look at the market. Go back to homecoming, go back to your high school reunion, go Target and Starbucks and uh, your local your, your local grocery store and just see what the market is. And then at 32 to 35, you'll start to create what I say is what you want at 65. You got 30 years to get there. What do you want to be on the front porch at 65? Well, I want to be, you know, married to one woman. I want to have four kids. I want 20 grandkids. You know, I want, you know, I want to, to give back to my school. I want to give them to my local. Okay. So now we know something. Don't get distracted by dating gals or females or city girls. Don't waste your time focused on your craft because that will lead to your financial success. So now you've done therapy. You focused on yourself from a financial standpoint. Let's get with fitness and faith. Let's make sure that you don't have your health failing you because the things that we can control are what we put in our body, how we work on our bodies, and that will help you out at a later date. You don't want to be 56 with a bunch of orthopedic issues because you did not work out. 
the people who thrive are the people who are all getting knee hip replacements and they've been working out wrestling they've been running they've been doing all this stuff they don't have any other health issues so you want to put yourself in the best position for a health outcome and if you are a person of faith you know fourthly still work on your faith because the tenets of what you believe uh, for any religion or any belief system or process will be your guiding principles, um, whether that's Christianity, whether that is Islam, whether that's uh, the Jewish faith, those three all have a tenet uh, through the Quran, the Torah, and the Bible that will help lead you into these truths, into the truths, which is the outcome that you're looking for. So you've dealt with, um, I call the first one, I say, I say, you know, therapy, but it's really feelings. Get your feelings together. So you got feelings, you got finances, you got fitness, you got faith, and then friends and family. Your friends and family really have to be defined. What investment do you want to make in your friends? And this is where people struggle because they put friends and family up before their feelings to cope for their feelings. So you see guys going on a bunch of guys trips. You see girls going on girls trips. We see anytime your phone rings, she picks up the phone and she consoles her friend for another bad decision. We see he's always picking up the phone and bailing out his friend financially or going to help him out and see him through if he's dealing with the real trauma. Family, whether it's media family, so the household you grew up in, mom, dad, siblings, grandparents, or it's that extended family. And this group is the group that really pulls you back. Because remember, they've seen you grow up. They saw you from zero to 35. So they're always going to see you through that span of when you were a little boy or a little girl. So you have to be able to, to set the appropriate boundary around your friends and around your families. So once you do all of that, then when it comes to what do I want, what is what that person wants for me, it's easier to compartmentalize and manage these areas that we just discussed against the backdrop of your relationship. So now your relationship can be your number one priority because professionally, young man that's listening, you've already spent the decade building your career and building your skill. You already have credibility. You're, it's going to be really hard for a company or for clients to switch. I, I have vendors all the time. I have vendors now. You know, I have employees. I don't want to have to do that again. I don't want to have to hire anyone again. If I already have you and you're doing the job and you're competent and capable and you're delivering on time, I'm going to keep you. So your finances are going to be together because you have a skill that the market has recognized as valuable and there's enough margin in it for you to create a lifestyle. So now you can go achieve the legacy and the long-term goal that you're looking for. So you'll no longer be making $43,000 a year. You'll probably be making 143 uh, by before you're 40, the equivalent, uh, depending on where you live. And then you can start setting up long-term plan and long-term vision. When you pick someone after doing all of that work, you're not going to waste. I've done all this work. I know who I am. I know what I want. I've not been going around. Um, I have discipline when it comes to intimacy. Uh, I'm not promiscuous out in the streets. So now I don't have time to waste. I don't have money to waste. So I want to pick someone who is just as serious about the relationship outcome that I am, which means on the front end, they are doing work. Across the scenario though, where we've done our list, we've picked mm -hmm. the person where we thought we were in that committed relationship, 
mm-hmm. and next thing the other person changes their mind on what they want Why? and runs off after the next shiny object. Goodbye. You still did the work. So you still have all of the investment in yourself. So regardless of what happened with them, and most of the time that's a misalignment or maybe it just wasn't your time. I mean, I think we actually, as society, we actually minimize and devalue those hurts. Those hurts harden us and solidify things that we won't work on on ourselves. So if I've gone through, which I have a divorce and I have friends now who are starting to go, go through it. So there are things that they can now recognize I missed that I didn't see before. So now I'm going to make a better decision down the road. So if someone leaves or wants to leave, I always say, if they want to leave and you've tried to work on it, if you're in a committed marriage, marital relationship and you have kids, I say the best thing is to try to work that out. But if it is toxic, if you can't co-parent effectively, if you can't communicate effectively, and there's no interest in letting self and ego die to make the relationship work, then you need to leave. And then let that person leave, figure out the relationship, co-parenting, what level of communication you want to have, do the work that's necessary, and then wait, wait for the next opportunity to present itself in a relationship. There's no shortage of men and women that are available and seeking relationships. That's a a misconception. We're just, a lot of us are blind to that. We're blind to to the true and real candidates because what we see on social media for the stories that we tell ourselves from our childhood and from what we see in TV and movies. I want that. That's a, that's a TV show. Well, I want that. It's a TV show. Someone wrote down fake characters with fake motivation and you're basing your identity and your decisions on that. You need therapy. Do I say? It's one of those things though, because I think, there's also call for people who really want that relationship to work. Mm-hmm. And when the other person says, no, I'm out, I'm done, they struggle to let go. And so they keep trying to claw back because they're married mm-hmm. or they're in love with that idea of what the movies and what the fairy tales tell us. Well, well, let, let's, let's take out from the discussion marriage because if you're married, you need to work on it. That's a deal that if you're a believer, you made with your God, in the state. If you're married in our country, you made that deal with the state. So try to work on it. So let's take them out. If you're in a cohabitation relationship with someone you've known for two years, and you're 28 in ladies, and he's 31, and he wants to leave, let him leave. Let him go. What, what, why? What we have told ourselves, I'm getting old, I'm close to 30. There's no good men out there. He was the best I'm going to get. What you usually want, and this is, this is the pearl, what you usually want and what you pick in your 20s is what you wanted in your teenage years. So what does a 16-year-old boy or girl know about being a man or a woman? Not much. Only what they see around them and most of the images are poor. So if he wants to leave at 28 and you picked him based on what you saw in high school and through college, let him leave. There are plenty of men out there. They see it. I know that there are plenty of men out there, but it's hard. They're not that many good guys and not guys are, are not committed. Guys are committed. They're just not committed to you. Guys, girls are committed. Girls are just not committed to you. And the motivations between both men and women are different, but the outcome desire is the same. We want that connection with one person. 
So once you get that connection, mm -hmm. what are your tips for people to maintain that connection? I say that there are two things uh, that will kill a relationship. And there are two things that you need to remember and deploy in order for that relationship not to die. So let's bring the marriage back on the table. For those people that are married, they will echo this right now in the comments. If I am competing and if there is chaos, the relationship or marriage will not thrive. Competing. My career is important and yours should not be. My career is more important to me, so you, it needs to be more important to you. I have to do, I have to work out too. I have to work too. I have a job too. Competing. Chaos. What time do the kids have to get picked up? When does the light bill do? Wait, there was a there was a withdrawal for $450 from Target. What did you do at Target? Chaos. So if you have that over a five-year period, most people are out of their minds by then. You're 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 lost. So the remedy from a tip standpoint, when you have competition and chaos is what most people will find is happening in the relationship when they feel that they're, it's failing, is you have to have compromise and collaboration. So the compromise is, I'll say for me, her career is very important to her. That's also important to me. So we're going to work together to make sure she has the time to invest in her career. My career is important to me. She says, I understand that he has to travel. I understand that he's gone when the business requires him to be gone. I understand that he has to do other things to help promote the book and promote his services. I support that. So I'm gonna to have to do a little bit more around here and I'm gonna to have to make sure work is taken care of so it's not a distraction. So then collaboration and compromise meet in the middle and that's the middle ground. So when I have the compromise and then I have the collaboration, we're both pulling in the same direction. Most relationships that fail and the majority of the relationships in our modern world, people are pulling in opposite directions. People have different motivations. They don't have, they have different desires and different outcome expectations. But the key to that from a tip standpoint would be collaboration and what did I say? <laughs> compromise compromise <laughs> compromise and collaboration and i think you can have the compromise and collaboration because i would i would very much agree with what, how you have just described the relationship there um, but still understand that you're going to have those moments where things might look a little bit chaotic but it doesn't mean everything's gone downhill yeah things looking chaotic but the relationship can't be chaotic it's an interesting concept though because at the end of the day we we kind of tend to start spending money and going out and doing things because we we feel like we're spending time together or we're creating something together but without really ever putting any thought into what it is that we want in the long term mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a short-term satisfaction trying to I think, hide from the fact that we haven't had a conversation about what it is that we're actually trying to achieve. And that's what I say is the problem with the, the two versions of men and women, modern and traditional. Modern men and women do this. This is where the term my lifestyle comes from. You ask a man on the street, how much money do you think it's going to take for you to be able to raise your family? I don't know, $600,000? What percentage of the market makes $600,000? I don't know, 10%? 10, 
not of NBA players, what percentage of the market in any given city at any given time makes over 600,000? I don't know. Yeah, it's a young lady on the street. Hey, how much do you think that it's going to take for you to be a woman that stays at home and takes care of her, her kids, her man and her household? I don't know, 2.5 million? Okay, what percentage of the market of men that are eligible make 2.5 million? I don't know, 17%? Where are you getting these numbers from? So then that shapes when you go into a relationship with a guy who's making 43,000, we call him broke. He's broke, but based on world standard, he's the top, he's the top 5% earner in the world. But he's broke because he won't be able to handle my lifestyle. I like to go out to eat. I like to go to the store and be able to shop. I like to go to the luxury store, even though I have $70,000 in student loans, and I like to go buy. I like to make sure I get a late model car every five years. So these are the things that contribute to the statement of how much money I need, which is an overinflated value. When realistically, the average household in our country is around 57 to $60,000 a year. And there's no highfalutin luxury lifestyle. It is a standard way of living that traditional men and women are comfortable with, but modern men and women can never get to. Because the lifestyle, the appearance, social media, the experiences are more valuable than the relationship outcome. So when you meet someone, we go out to eat, we go to a concert, we go to a ball game, we go to a theater, we go to a movie, all costs money. We, then we elevate and we go on a weekend trip, which is a hotel and which is food. And then we go on the flight in, in our country and then we go overseas. And then we looked up and we spent $50,000 on a bunch of stuff that we say are memories and experiences. There's, there's a time and place for that. But if you're serious and you're looking for the long-term outcome, you pace it and plan it. Glenn, where can people find you? Uh, I am available on our website. So first we are on the middlegroundbook.com. There you can see all of our podcasts such as this and which are joined as well as purchase uh, the versions of our book that are available uh, in your local country. We are on Amazon for paperback. We do have Audible and Kindle. And then we do have the audiobook available for purchase as well and the link out uh, there. Uh, I am also on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube as Middle Ground Book. And can I ask you one question to finish up? Mm -hmm. What do you think is the secret to your relationship? The real secret to my relationship is my faith. So I, I am a Christian. That's well documented. I have a, I have professed and have a belief in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And because of that, there are principles in which I believe. What I tried to do in this book is to not push that out to people, but there are principles that I believe are universal for everyone in the world. Um, so I believe that that, you know, my, my faith and, and belief in Jesus Christ keeps me grounded. Lovely. My, my wife, my, my wife will say the same thing. It's because I love Jesus. I'm still with you. <laughs> I think she might have to come on and we have a chat to her as well. I will send you her information and you can have her, her on your show. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Glenn. Thank you. I appreciate it, Lori. Ciao.
And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. If you can, I would love for you to jump on and leave a review. And whilst you are at it, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please join me again next week when we get to take a look behind closed doors at someone else's relationship. But until then, I am your host, Laurie Brooke, and remember the choice is yours, so make today and the week the very best it can be.